On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the so-called Model 2, aka the $25,000 Tesla, could be revealed even sooner than we thought. Plus, the new United States presidential administration wants to go electric in a big way. Enhanced Autopilot is back on the menu in Europe and more. Welcome, friends, to the 289th episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, if you happen to be listening here on Sunday. February 14th, 2021 is the day this show is being released. And first of all, I wanted to say I hope all of you enjoyed the Marquez Brownlee conversation last week. I sure did. As I think I might have said last week, that was my first time actually having a conversation with him after uh, bumping into him at a couple of Tesla events over the years. So it was really nice to sit down and just talk about all things Tesla with him because he does cover Tesla on his channel from time to time. But that was a nice concentrated like, let's just talk about Tesla for, you know, about half an hour is what the interview was. So I had a good time with that. And I hope you did as well. Speaking of interviews, Elon Musk returned to the Joe Rogan podcast, this time for a nearly three and a half hour interview. And it happened very late this week. I'm still going through it. So I'll have some clips for you and a recap of that on next week's podcast. Uh, It's also been quite a week for me, which I'm going to just wait. I'm going to save and talk about at the end of the show so that people who just want to hear Tesla stuff, hear Tesla stuff, uh, have some less than great news to tell you about uh, towards, well, just right at the end of the podcast. Uh, But we'll, you know, we'll save that for later. And I know I'm like leaving you hanging. It's it's Daisy related. She's here. She's with me. Uh, But yeah, it's uh, I had a tough week. So I'll tell you about that a little later on. Uh, First, Let's let's have a little fun. This is going to be a just honestly, it's a distraction for me at this point. It's I'm going to take my mind off of this for the next hour or so as I talk about the thing I am most enthusiastic about in my hobbies in my free time, which is Tesla. That's why you're here, because you share that same enthusiasm with me. And uh, this first story of the week is pretty darn exciting. So The Model 2, the so-called Model 2, it of course has no official name as of yet, but the $25,000 Tesla that Elon first really mentioned at Battery Day last September, you know, the car that could really just send this whole thing uh, on a, on a, to a tipping point, really. So the question now, will the China designed and built Model 2 be unveiled even sooner than we all thought? Maybe even later this year? It seems that may very well be the case. This report comes via thedriven.io, which is an Australian uh, car enthusiast website that I've cited here on the podcast before. And that is on the back of an initial report from Tesmanian, my friends over there, so I'm going to tip my cap to them as well. And that is this, Tesla will likely unveil a smaller electric vehicle to be designed in China in November of 2021 
at the Guangzhou Auto Show. My apologies if I've mispronounced that. I did my best there. And this is according to Chinese media reports. So this is not just anybody on the internet with a blog making things up. Uh, there is some legitimacy here. According to a report from China tech news site Sina.com, S-I-N-A, the new vehicle will be a hatchback version of the Model 3 and is expected to sell for around uh, the equivalent of $25,000 U.S. and will have a driving range of somewhere between 350 to 450 kilometers, uh, which, of course, you can do the math on there. Now, according to the report, Tesla has already commenced the environmental impact assessment process for the production of the so-called Model 2, which, according to another report from Tesmanian, will be produced in a second-phase plant at the Shanghai factory. The environmental report reportedly refers to, quote, a new model early launch project, production for which will take six months to test. So if the timeline proves accurate to this story of, of November 2021, uh, that would obviously be way, way ahead of the three to four years that Elon mentioned at Battery Day. And while, yes, uh, Tesla has been a lot better lately about sandbagging their dates, remember that we are only talking about the unveiling of the prototype here. So production likely wouldn't happen for at least another year after the unveiling of, of said prototype. So you figure late 22, probably the most optimistic production start, or maybe early 2023. But even if that is the case, that would still be uh, pretty well ahead of the initial timeline mentioned by Elon. Now, Tesla did just see uh, CATL, one of their big battery partners in China, and the, the company that's making the Standard Range Plus Model 3 batteries for Giga Shanghai, uh, they made a multi-billion dollar investment to ramp up battery production, which Tesla has said, we will, you've, you've heard Elon publicly say it, we will take every single cell that our partners can possibly provide. And these two things, the uh, unveiling of this car and uh, cattle's increase in production are very likely tied together. Now, I would have thought for sure I, not, well, not for sure. I, I thought there, the odds would be that Giga Berlin would do the hatchback because to me it just seems like a hatchback's a better fit for the European market. It's not to say that it wouldn't be successful and wouldn't be desirable in China, but it just, I don't know, it's, it's got a, a very kind of like a, a European fit to it in my humble opinion. But, you know, uh, the, the, fact of the matter is, whether it's the small sedan or the uh, the hatchback, it is almost certainly going to be available exclusively in China at first, not unlike how the Model 3 took a good bit of time to get to Europe. And in fact, the Model Y still isn't available in Europe, and it's been on sale now for officially the last 11 months before. Uh, but yeah, figure on China production exclusively before battery production is is able to ramp up high enough to supply enough cars, enough battery packs, and thus enough cars to get these affordable Teslas 
to uh, to fulfill the worldwide demand that will no doubt be there for them. Now, confirming the intention to indeed sell the car worldwide, although offering no timeline. I mean, again, the the my hypothesis that it would it would start production exclusively in China. That's that is just my own theory here. But Tesla's Chinese president, Tesla China's president, Tom Zhu, said, "Quote." We will provide very good conditions to facilitate our R&D engineers working towards our ultimate goal. The ultimate goal has been mentioned on many public occasions. In the future, we want to design, develop, and produce an original model in China, manufactured here and sold to the whole world. This R&D center is the starting point of the goal, end quote. Well, make no mistake, the $25,000 car will be a, an absolute key point in the history of not just Tesla, but in my opinion, the history of the electric car itself. I know that sounds hyperbolic, I know, but when a good car, which as, as evidenced by Tesla's four existing current models, I have every confidence that Tesla would build a good car with good range, is available for $25,000 in sufficient quantity, not just a little limited production, you know, can't get enough of them kind of thing. It suddenly just becomes a value proposition that a comparable internal combustion engine car has really very, very few arguments against at that point. And, and really what's interesting is People already know about the $25,000 car, not on a mass market, you know, major public scale, but without Tesla really saying much about it at all, that people are waiting for it. It's out there. Just a, a little anecdotal example from me. The other day I'm at the grocery store and I'm wearing my Tesla jacket and the, the checkout clerk sees my jacket and asks me about it. He says, oh, which Tesla do you have? And I have the Model 3. And he asks me if I had heard about the $25,000 car. So I was just like, wow. I mean, you know, I'm a maniac who's consuming every single little nugget of Tesla information that that hits the the public consciousness, you know, that hits the Internet. But here's a person who, you know, is certainly aware of Tesla, thought enough of it to ask me about it, but went right to, hey, have you heard about the $25,000 car? And again, I know that story is as anecdotal as it gets, but the point is, as Tesla continues to build awareness and momentum, that $25,000 car really could and probably will be a tipping point in the electric vehicle movement. And that's going to be a good day when that day comes. Next up this week, Enhanced Autopilot is back as an option that you can order with your new Tesla. (gasps) In Europe. Yeah, just in Europe for now. Thank you to listener Emmerich for sending this in. So the enhanced autopilot now, uh, since it's been, for all intents and purposes, a couple of years since it was last offered, the functionality of autopilot has, has grown since then. It's changed. The enhanced autopilot now in Europe has basically all of the functionality except the city streets stoplight and stop sign recognition. In the UK, it's 3,400 pounds for enhanced autopilot versus 6,800 pounds for the full FSD package. And elsewhere in Europe, according to Emmerich, 
it's 3,800 euros for enhanced autopilot or 7,500 euros for the full self-driving package. So roughly half the price. Uh, In fact, pretty much, yeah, it's just about exactly half the price. I expect that this is a region-specific thing right now because, I mean, again, my hypothesis here is I would suspect that Tesla is just not getting a very good uptake rate on the FSD package in Europe. And I suspect they're not getting a very good uptake rate in Europe because the stricter EU regulations are such that Tesla is not able to roll out all of the latest autopilot features over there, such as the aforementioned stoplight and stop sign recognition. And if I were to read into this a little bit more, and so let me caveat it with that, this is just me reading into this, it might suggest to me that Tesla is getting a high enough uptake rate in the United States in comparison. Uh, that, or they expect that the imminent subscription option that we're you know expecting in about the next month or so is going to boost the uptake rate to the point where then Tesla will be happy to have either the people that are going to pay the 10 grand outright do that or take the subscription model instead. Also, uh, Elon said on the earnings call recently that the uptake rate on FSD in China specifically was exceptionally low. And so I can't help but wonder if we might see enhanced autopilot rollout there as an option in the not too distant future as well. Next this week, will the United States government start placing huge orders for Model 3s and Model Ys? It's not that insane of a thought. Take a listen to the clip I'm about to play you of President Biden saying that the massive government fleet of vehicles needs to be replaced by EVs. And listen to what he says here about specifically made in America by American workers. Here's President Biden. The federal government also owns an enormous fleet of vehicles, which we're going to replace with clean electric vehicles made right here in America by American workers, creating millions of jobs, a million auto worker jobs in clean energy and vehicles that are net zero emissions. And together, this will be the largest mobilization of public investment in procurement, infrastructure and R&D since World War II. If I've got this right, I think this basically leaves the Chevy Bolt, the Tesla Model 3, the Model Y, and in the truck department, the currently not on the market, actually I guess none of these are, so the the, the electric F-150 from Ford, the and the Cybertruck, um, because, and, and if you're wondering, well wait, hold on, what about Rivian or an S and an X, everything else, like the Rivian, like the S, like the X, would probably cost too much for government use and not really serve the government's purpose any better than the cheaper Teslas or the the Bolt would. I mean, the Mustang Mach-E, you might, well, what about that one? Turns out that's made in Mexico. So by President Biden's criteria, that one's out. I suppose the Nissan Leaf technically counts, though it's not an American company. They are made here in the United States in Tennessee. Of course, If this doesn't get implemented in the near future, it's possible that the aforementioned Model 2, the $25,000 Tesla, could end up being the perfect vehicle for a lot of the government's replacement electric vehicle fleet. 
But assuming that this does get started sooner rather than later, I mean, hopefully it does get started at all, but if indeed it does spin up, it looks like uh, Elon might need to spin up another Model 3 production line to fulfill this. So we'll see. I mean, I know I've seen some cynical takes. Not cynical. That's sorry. That's a poor word choice. I've seen some takes on this that I guess let's let's call it maybe a little bit more of a pessimistic take that says that the government would choose you know the the Fords, the Chevys of the world that have unionized workers, and that's that's probably a whole separate topic for discussion. That honestly, I don't even feel quite qualified to discuss in detail. But in theory, according to the president's own words, Teslas sh- could and should be part of the uh, the government's fleet of vehicles as they look to replace everything and go electric over time. Speaking of the United States government, the U.S. House of Representatives has reintroduced the GREEN Act, and yes, that is an acronym, which would restore tax credits for GM and Tesla for their buyers and also establish a new used EV tax credit as well. I want to give a tip of the cap on this one to the Tesla Motors Reddit and to loyal listener Lyle Austin for the heads up on this story. And also specifically digging through the Reddit thread to Tesla Motors Reddit user Misha Kill for summing this up really smartly because it's a it's literally it's it's a bill proposal, so it's it's pretty dense. It's <laughs> it's written like a a bill and it's uh would probably you know, put half of us to sleep if I read this thing. So uh, Misha Kill says, so it extends the sales cap to 600,000 still per manufacturer for the meaning for the tax credit, but doesn't count any sold between 200,000 and the enactment of the bill, which means Tesla would be re uh, they would be once again eligible for this. The credit is $7,000 from the 200,000th car to the 600,000th car, and then 50% of that for the first quarter after 600,000 cars, then it's gone. So just a one-quarter 50% phase-out. So that means, again, it's good for the full 7,000 for the next 400,000 cars that Tesla sells in the U.S., once this bill is passed and signed into law, if it were to be, and then it would be $3,500 credit for as many cars as Tesla can sell in the United States in the quarter after they hit that milestone. And again, remember, as I've carefully noted here, it's cars sold in the United States. So don't just go by Tesla's quarterly production and delivery numbers, which yes, do continue to go up, quarter over quarter and year over year, Uh, but because those numbers are global production and delivery figures. I would imagine that should this actually become law, you can bet that Tesla might ship fewer cars abroad, uh, specifically in that half credit quarter after they hit the 600,000 milestone, and maybe in in that period they would lean on Giga Shanghai to pick up the slack with Europe and other territories uh, while Tesla tries to ensure that as many of the American customers as possible can get that half credit 
while it's still there for a limited time. I mean, since the main credit for 400,000 cars is a hard cap, there would be no need for Tesla to try and game the timing of it or the production allocation. There, there would be no need for that until they get to that one quarter phase out. Then they would probably want to try and move some chess pieces around the board a little bit. All of that said, though, this is by no means a done deal. This is still just proposed legislature. Uh, but this is probably a lot more likely to end up getting passed now than it would have been uh, you know, in the last year. And even if it does ultimately become law, it may end up getting amended and compromised in that time. So it might not end up looking like what I've just read to you if it does make it all the way to law, but it would certainly be good news for Tesla and GM specifically, should it become law, since they're the two American automakers who have exhausted all of their EV tax credits thus far. Now, if those of you who bought your car in 2020 or so far this year are wondering if there would be any sort of kind of back pay, like a back credit of sorts, the answer is unfortunately no on that. There would not be any kind of retroactive credit, which, yeah, hey, that's definitely unfortunate, but you know, trying to do that could get messy and probably in the end let's be honest, wouldn't be encouraging new buyers because, of course, you already bought the car. But uh, anyway, I'm certainly rooting for this to become law. $7,000 of, of a credit would certainly help a lot of folks out in making the transition to an electric car because that turns a standard range plus Model 3, which, as I've said many times on this podcast before, I think is a tremendously good deal at 263 miles of range, basic autopilot included, all of Tesla's safety features, that would get that car down to $31,000 of a base price. And for California buyers, in fact, you know, we're a big EV market here and just a large populous state, it would bring the price of the standard range plus Model 3 down to $29,500 if this passes and the $1,500 clean fuel reward instant rebate that's available right now is still out there. So it would put a Model 3 in that scenario. I know there's a lot that would have to happen for that to become reality. But in that very possible scenario, you could get a Model 3 in the state of California new for under $30,000. So that would be really, really great to see. Needless to say... I'll be keeping an eye on this one. So any big updates that, that come along for this bill proposal, I will pass along on the podcast. Uh, speaking of California, California's governor wants to invest the money that's currently earmarked for electric vehicle rebates to instead go to building out more charging stations in California and increasing subsidies to help lower income buyers afford the still higher price tags of electric cars. This story comes, again, I saw it on the Tesla Motors Reddit, but it's written up by uh, our local uh, newspaper here, the San Francisco Chronicle. Governor Gavin Newsom wants to erase most state funding for a popular rebate program for new car buyers, money that has overwhelmingly gone to drivers with annual incomes of above $100,000. Instead, 
he's asking lawmakers to spend big in two other areas, building a large network of vehicle charging and refueling stations and increasing subsidies to help lower income buyers afford the higher price tag of the electric models. The governor said his strategy would show that, quote, it's not just about expensive, fancy cars and the rest of us are left behind, end quote. Newsom's plan, part of the fiscal 21-22 year budget that he submitted to the legislature, would combat a perception problem California faces with electric cars, that they are luxury items for the elite. Rebranding them as accessible to all buyers will be key as Newsom tries to find ways to fulfill his executive order to end the sale of of new gas-powered cars starting in 2035. Well, I certainly can't disagree with the governor's intentions here. You may disagree, certainly. There is no right or wrong way with this. It's definitely open to debate and discussion. I do think it's true that EV credits used to go to high-income people, and perhaps, I don't know, perhaps the state of California has data that says they still do. In fact, uh, California Assembly member Jim Cooper of Sacramento County, who opposes Newsom's proposal, noted that about 72% of recipients of the state's rebates had a household income above $100,000, but that's according to a Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle analysis. So that's a journalistic analysis, but not official data. And I'm not trying to say that the Chronicle's wrong. I'm just pointing out that is that is based on someone's interpretation of some information, it is not the actual card data. So, you know, take that as you will. But still, the point is, as electric cars from both Tesla and other car companies are hitting the market, I I think it's probably not really the case as much anymore the way it was up through, what, about 2017 before the Model 3 and the Chevy Bolt hit the market. The Bolt came out in late 2016 and the Model 3 in uh, the second half of 2017, as you know. And and the, the reality is now, today, if this if if the governor's proposal goes through, the I, I that's where I really don't think the, you know, luxury item for wealthy elites doesn't really hold as much water anymore because now you've got You've got more, a lot more affordable EV options, such as the Leaf, which is very much improved, and it's the version, the Generation 2 Leaf versus the Gen 1 Leaf. You've got the Bolt, which also, it should be pointed out, the, that car has steadily improved as well. The range on that thing has gone up a good bit, as the Model 3s has over time. You've got the Model 3 Standard Range Plus. You've got the Model Y Standard Range now as well and the Ford Mustang Mach-E, the VW ID uh, 3ID4 on the way, and more. So there are many, many more options either available now or coming like very imminently. Not next year, not two years from now, but they're imminent. So uh, I will point out on the, with regard to his the governor's plan on chargers, I definitely think uh, more chargers, you can't argue with that. That's definitely a good thing because... As as I've talked about before, and as as I'm sure you probably feel on some level, either consciously or subconsciously, when you made the decision to buy a Tesla, you need to have confidence in the charging infrastructure. 
if you're going to feel comfortable about buying an electric car, in order for them, I mean, to, to really go mainstream, to go big, that is a, a legitimate mental uh, hurdle, I guess, is, is maybe the best word for that, where am I going to be able to charge this thing out on the road if I need to, if I'm you know driving to the next state away, something like that. So uh, that's that's not. I don't think that one's really up for debate. More a, a bigger charging infrastructure is a good thing, and I certainly want to see the financial subsidies go to the people that need them the most. Currently, uh, as I mentioned, California has not just that fifteen hundred dollar point of purchase discount in the form of the clean fuel reward, but we do have an up to $2,000 back as a cash rebate that you file for and receive later uh, as, as uh, that's a state level incentive here. That's down a little bit. It used to be $2,500 with no income cap. So anybody could get it. Now it's a $2,000 max rebate with a household income cap on it. So the state has already tried to push this uh, in, in this new proposed direction a little bit before. So again, like with the the uh, nationwide government fleet of, of cars that the president wants to try and electrify over time, we'll see what happens with this as well. As of now, it's just a budget proposal that the governor has submitted to the state legislators, uh, late legislature, pardon me. So I'll keep an eye on that. Finally, this week, uh, while we're out here in California, Seaside, California, is the latest community to add Teslas to its police fleet. Police Chief Abdul Pridgen taking to Twitter to say, "Quote: Going green!" Exclamation mark. City Council approved the purchase of five environmentally friendly patrol cars two Tesla Model Ys and three Ford Interceptor hybrids. The Teslas are less expensive than gas-powered cars over a five-year period and won't emit 11,000 pounds of CO2 per year. Uh, With another exclamation point. So I love seeing the police chief super excited about this. Now, two Model Y. Interesting that the Seaside Police Department has chosen the slightly more expensive Tesla model that, of course in return has a good bit more cargo volume than the Model 3. But the, the the bottom line here, it is really great to see yet another city go with, uh, you know, take the plunge and add a Tesla to its police fleet. Seaside's not too far away from me. It's down near Monterey. They've got a population, according to Wikipedia, of about 33,000. So they're a, a good size town there. And I gotta say, down in Seaside... I don't know how big their police fleet is, their police uh, department staff-wise, but I'm going to guess that the officers of the Seaside Police Department probably going to be fighting over who gets to drive those Model Y because I imagine uh, just on the off-the-line acceleration alone, a long-range dual-motor Model Y is probably going to be a bit more fun than your average uh, gas-powered you know, police interceptor. So congratulations to Seaside, California. All right, uh, before I do the Ride the Lightning hotline, I real quick wanted to mention the Teslarati Marketplace, which I encourage you to visit at shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. The slash RTL is key, if you don't mind. And I'm just, I'm on there right now. 
They've got a ton of great stuff on here. A lot of it new. Uh, they've got a Model Y power frunk kit. So the Model Ys all have uh, the power rear lift gate, but you can, they've got a, a really cool power frunk kit that you can install here on uh, the, on shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. There is also, as I, as I poke around, the brand new center consoles that are going into the threes and, and it looks like just about to go into the Y as well. They have center console wraps for those as well, including a really nice looking carbon fiber one. There's also uh, the 3D Max Spider floor mats, the all weather rubber floor mats for the Model 3 and Model Y as well. I'm a big fan of those. And then a removable trash bin and upper storage bay. So some cool little custom fit things for the center console. Your existing, whether you know the, the current version that most of us have. So you can put in a little trash bin there. So you're not leaving it on the, the floor of your car. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. I mean, the uh, there's they even have, check this out. You know, I, I was just talking about, was it on last week's show, the Stan, the Sandy Monroe clip where Elon was talking about the 12-volt the lithium-ion battery going into the new S's and X's. Well, shop.teslarati.com slash RTL, the, in the purple banner at the top of the page, you click that, they're selling an ultralight lithium 12-volt battery for your existing Tesla, for all of them, the, the 3Y, S, and X. So no need to necessarily buy a new S or X to get that. The Teslarati Marketplace has one for your car now, and they're, they're saying four times the lifespan of the stock 12-volt battery that's in all of our cars now. So again, all kinds of stuff. Check out, just browse around, see what you like. Shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. All right, and I'll get to the Ride the Lightning hotline here in just a second. All right, welcome back to the Ride the Lightning Hotline after a little two-week hiatus from the earnings call and then the Marquez Brownlee interview. Good to have you guys back on the show here in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It's your calls, your questions, comments, discussion topics. I've got a bunch of great stuff lined up since, uh, you know, I had two weeks worth of them built up uh, from not doing it the past couple of shows. So if you would like to participate, if you've got something Tesla-related on your mind that you'd like to pose a question, whatever, uh, you can call me in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many of them each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can take that same question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number you can dial anytime, day or night, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you'd like to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Let's start with Ryan from Las Vegas. Go ahead, fellow Ryan. Hey, Ryan. This is Ryan from Las Vegas. I wanted to talk about one of the new features in the holiday update, 
as a passenger while you're driving, you can now play two games that are available. The first one is Solitaire. The second one is the Battle of Polytopia. How you can do it is you can launch the games and all it asks is if you're the passenger and you press I am passenger. I think you could see this as the start of autonomous driving and the preparations for productivity tools as well as entertainment in the vehicle. I think they're testing it out and seeing how people are interacting with it. My question is this, do you think they handle an app store just like Apple does where they'll let any developers? Do you think some developers might not necessarily go into the Tesla because they're committed to Apple CarPlay or Android Auto? Let me know your thoughts about the future and uh, some of your features that you think will come as autonomous driving becomes more and more apparent in Tesla's with Fulge self-driving coming out soon. Wow, Ryan, that's really interesting. I hadn't realized that about those two new games. And I have to admit that upon first hearing that, I thought, oh, well, that must be a mistake. Tesla will probably remove the ability to play those while the car is in drive in a, in a very near future update. But apparently it was very intentional. If, as you say, the game prompts you to acknowledge that you're the passenger and not the driver. Uh, honestly, I'm kind of surprised it's legal to have a game on the car's primary display that can be played while the car is in motion. But, but anyway, you're right. It is very much a step towards a fully autonomous future. And as for an app store, well, I've said this before, but I think it's inevitable, even if it's not something that will happen quite in the near future necessarily. Tesla originally... Back in the day, with the early Model S days, uh, said they would do one. They've said this before. When the Model S first launched, if you look at a screenshot of the original 2012 Model S UI, it had a tab that said Apps, which was always empty. They never did anything with it. But once Tesla scaled up enough and consistently successful enough and has some more resources at its disposal... I do think they will have an app store and have an internal team that curates it. Thank you very much for your call. Jordan from Bargersville, Indiana. Yes, the same town that uh, one of you know, I talked about a, a, a Model Y police car at the end of the news segment there. Bargersville, home to one of the first, the Model 3 police car. Go ahead, Jordan. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Jordan Sperlin here from good old Bargersville, Indiana home of the first Tesla uh, Model 3 police car. And I think I've sent you a couple pictures on Twitter before about that. <laughs> uh, anyways, hey, I had a question with the um, the earnings call for Q4 of 2020 that we just got this week. Um, hey, so people who put a pre-order in for a uh, Model S, specifically the long range, so if they put a uh, request in for one of those, let's say early January, and those cost 69420 I believe, at that time. My question is, now that the price had gone up to 80, about 80000 uh, with this new refresh, does that mean that those individuals who have one on order that's like wait time of four to six weeks or longer, that they will get that long range for 69420 Anyways, I think that would be really cool if they honored that. And um, who knows? That would be... Uh, 
a pretty awesome incentive for uh, buying into that refresh. Anyways, man, I really enjoy the podcast. Listen every week, every Monday, uh, usually as I'm going to work. So hope you uh, enjoy your week and uh, happy driving. Bye. Thanks for your call, Jordan. Unfortunately, there is no such luck for those that time their Model S orders right on this one. It is confirmed that those people are being given the option to either cancel their order or pay more for the new Model S. But of course, in return for paying more, they are getting a completely new interior, slightly more range, along with uh, slight exterior tweaks as well. I mean, it's definitely a bummer for those folks who just wanted a long-range S for $70,000, a 400-mile Model S for $70K, uh, as you know, their choices for a new Tesla at that point now are either to pay a bit more, pay that ten grand more for the new long-range S, or they could pay a bit less for a Model 3, which you know is what 350 something miles of range, and that you know that might be undesirable for for some folks, not just because the range, but also the three is smaller uh, and doesn't have an air suspension either. So it just depends what those buyers are looking for. But hopefully, those affected folks find one of those options appealing. Christian from Orange County is up next. Go ahead, Christian. Hi, Ryan. Christian from Orange County again. Um, I'm wondering if we could hear your thoughts about how Tesla could or would handle FSD subscription pricing for those of us with enhanced autopilot. I'm worried they're not going to separate pricing for those of us with EAP and will be forced to pay the full subscription price. I do hope that this is something they've already been considering, but if not... At least I'm hoping someone from Tesla is listening to make sure that there is pricing structure for various scenarios. Thanks and have a great show. Christian, I have to be honest with you. I foolishly hadn't thought about this scenario at all, even though I was someone who bought my car with enhanced autopilot. Uh, I am more than happy to put it out there in case it happened to have slipped the Tesla team's mind as well. But hopefully they're smarter than me, and spoiler alert, they are. But uh, you nevertheless make a really great point about this. Those who've already paid $5,000 for enhanced autopilot probably should not have to pay the same full freight subscription option as those who haven't spent any money on an autopilot package and are using the base autopilot that came with the car. I mean, if you ask me, it should probably be about the subscription should be about half the price as for the enhanced autopilot folks. So we'll see what happens on that one. But uh, good observation there. Billy from North Carolina commenting on the price drop of the MCU2. Go ahead, Billy. Hey, Ryan. This is uh, Billy of North Carolina, longtime listener. Quick question. Uh, this MCU2 is now a cheaper alternative. Some have speculated that maybe the price discount was uh, to replace the uh, recall that is happening. Uh, my question to you would be, instead of that, is the price discount because uh, the MCU3 is coming out and perhaps they're getting rid of stock and soon everything will be going to MCU3? Uh, thanks as always. I'll guest each week. Hope you're having a good one. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Billy. Thanks for your call. I would bet lunch 
that there will be no MCU 3 upgrade for the existing SNX fleet. I mean, the reality is, as you know, Tesla changed from the portrait-oriented screen to the landscape. And, and the whole dash is different, the whole interior is different. And if it's anything like the 3 and the Y, the screen, which uh, is removable on the 3 and the Y right off the dash by a service technician, the, that it has the MCU in it. It's all one assembly. So I suspect the same is probably true for the new SNX as well with its 17-inch landscape screen, that the MCU 3 is just in there and it's all one assembly. The question is, I think, isn't really about SNX getting an upgrade. I, again, I don't think that's going to happen. But will the 3 and the Y get MCU 3 anytime soon? I mean, while I can't say for sure, uh, I, it's, it seems unlikely that that current SNX fleet are going to be able to upgrade any farther than MCU 2. I think that seems like it's going to be the, the end of the upgrade path for the existing SNX fleet. Thanks for your call. Trevor from Pennsylvania is up next. Go ahead, Trevor. Hi, Ryan. Trevor from Pennsylvania here. Long-time listener, third-time caller. I have a couple uh, things that are in the card that I'm not sure if there is a solution, so maybe there are suggestions if there isn't one currently. The first is when I take my car on road trips and enter my destination, the map interface automatically selects superchargers along the route. However, although I've had my car over a year now, driving particularly in winter weather has allowed some range anxiety to persist. So I often end up choosing a mirror supercharger to avoid any risk of my true range not getting me to the car selected charger. The problem is there doesn't seem to be a way to select an alternate supercharger along my route once I put my destination in. I select another charger that makes that charger my destination. Then I have to add back my original destination after I get to the charger. It's not a huge deal, but I found it inconvenient, particularly on these long trips where I like to be able to see my overall trip details. Perhaps this update can come with the previously mentioned waypoints update. My other suggestion is for the central mode and dash cam viewer. I park overnight in my apartment complex's general garage, which means I prefer to keep my central mode on just in case. However, lots of people end up triggering my central mode, so I may awake to 10 or more clips daily. Compound that over a week, it's a lot of clips. It doesn't seem there's a way to select multiple clips to delete at once, so it would be great to add a feature on the list to select some or all to delete rather than one by one clicking a clip and deleting it, especially because I find the deleting clip feature to be a little buggy at times. That's all for today. Thanks so much for the great podcast. Welcome back to the show, Trevor. I know what you mean on the supercharger navigation. I have found on the several road trips I've done that I end up pulling off uh, to a nearer one sometimes. And while I won't argue at all with that being a, a winter weather issue for you, I will say that in my experience, I've gotten a little more trusting of the car the more trips I've done, and I've been willing to push it a bit further. But I'm with you. Hopefully the update that adds the multi-waypoint navigation addresses this. As to your request to be able to select and delete multiple sentry mode clips at once, I do believe that is on the way because I distinctly recall Elon responding to someone on Twitter about that not too long ago. 
and as I recall it, Elon agreed that it's a feature that needs to be added. So I'm optimistic on that one. Thanks for your call. Myron from Massachusetts is up next, responding to Miranda from Massachusetts about uh, the exits in, in the state not being properly labeled on the nav anymore. This is, I'm giving a little bit of a recap here since this is a few weeks old now since the last time I did the Ride the Lightning Hotline. So go ahead, Myron. Hi, Ryan. This is Myron from Massachusetts. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I want to respond to last week's message from Miranda. I had this problem before where there is this particular exit that has been changed from three-lane to two-lane. For a long time, uh, the auto lane change would put me on the wrong lane, so couldn't really use that feature for a while. Um, So I went online, and according to Tesla Forum, uh, people suggested to make the change on OpenStreetMap.org since Tesla pulled the map information from that website, um, and and they just applied Google Map Image as an overlay. Uh, With that said, uh, my update didn't get pushed to my car until last summer, so it took took them about a year from making the update myself to showing up the change in my car. Um, I do see the new exit number in OpenStreetMap, um, so hopefully it won't take Tesla another year to push the update. Thanks. Myron, thank you very much for that constructive suggestion. Sounds like it's not a quick fix, but users can take action to try and nudge that change along. Now, if only there was a website that I could go to in order to get Autopilot to stop trying to murder me at my off-ramp. You know, it's odd. It used to signal and take my off-ramp just fine, but now, and and it's not every time, but maybe like half the time, it signals for the off-ramp, starts to go, and then tries to veer me back and smash me into the gore point right there. So, hands on the wheel at all times. That is the motto. Uh, Anyway, I realize that is neither here nor there with regard to your call. You just happen to remind me of it. But anyway, Myron, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Uh, Final caller this week is a young caller, I believe if I heard it correctly, is Dustin from Alaska. Go ahead, Dustin. Hey, this is Dustin from um, Alaska. I'm 13. And um, I was wondering, this is a question for the show, um, should, I was wanting to get a Tesla Model 3 with a long-range um, long range dual motors, um, and then it was I wanted to get a blue one, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, but I was wondering, is it worth it to buy a used Tesla because they seem to hold their resale value very well, and I don't know if it's worth it to save a a couple thousand dollars. Um, So I I don't know if this has ever been on the show before, but um, again, uh, you know, it's just something I was wondering. Uh, Thanks for your opinion, and I hope to listen to it on the show soon. Okay, bye. Well, hello, and thank you very much for calling in. You know, this is always a tough question because everybody's financial situation is different. But one thing that I think is more or less objectively true is that compared to a gas-powered car, buying a used electric vehicle is a safer bet by comparison. Because you can drive an EV like you stole it, and it doesn't really make a big difference 
since there's virtually no service or maintenance on the on the car. Whereas if you abuse an ICE and you don't take proper care of it, if you don't do the oil changes, you don't do the fuel system flushes, the tune-ups, etc., you might end up getting a car with an engine that doesn't have a lot of life left in it. But I realize I'm, I'm also not answering your question here. I think if you can find a used Tesla that has most or all of the features you want, and it's a decent bit cheaper, it's probably going to be a great buy, as long as it's got a warranty of some kind still on it for the just-in-case stuff. That's my two cents, and I realize there are many different viewpoints on that, none right or wrong. My opinion here, I want to make clear, is anything but gospel, but I hope that helps you think about it in a way that helps you make an informed decision on that when the time comes. Thank you very much for your call. Thanks to everybody for calling in. I will have more calls next week. And again, I welcome and encourage you to participate in the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you'd like to call in, I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of this segment. Stick with me, though. I've got some more podcasts for you, plenty more, uh, including the promised Daisy uh, unfortunate update that I'll have for you at the end. But uh, still some fun stuff left to go to. Stick with me right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Would you like another quarantine video game recommendation? How about Super Mario 3D World for the Nintendo Switch? I just got it, started playing. It came out today as I record here on Friday, and I have been playing it. It's up to four-player cooperative, although it's like coopetition. You're ultimately working together to get through a level, but you got to kind of work together on some of the, the platforming tasks. But you're also competing for a high score, and you get a little crown to wear on the next level if you get the high score on the level before. And I've been playing it with my nine-year-old daughter, and we are having a ball with it. It's 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 a sort of remaster of sorts, kind of a re-release of the same game, Super Mario 3D World, on, that was on the Wii U, which I never had. The Wii U was not a successful console. It was not well-received. It, it just didn't do well. Uh, so I am like many that didn't have a Wii U and so didn't play Super Mario 3D World. It does have a whole like new second campaign bundled with it too. So even if you did play it before, it's and that's called Bowser's Fury, so that's on the that's on the cartridge as well, but I'm having a really really fun time with this with my daughter. So, uh, definitely a good one to play again up to 4 people on on one TV including you can bring in online people too if you've got family members with the Nintendo online accounts and obviously a copy of the game so you can get online play local couch play uh, really having a fun time with that so super mario 3d world all right pro tip of the week time here's a regular caller matursian from toronto with an interesting little shortcut that he's set up go ahead matursian hello ryan this is matursian from toronto aka the tesla sheep from youtube i have a really nice pro tip for all you tesla owners um if you have any one of the sexy cars, you can actually use this. Uh, what it is is that in order to open the front, you either need to use your phone's app or through the touchscreen in your Tesla. 
But there's one more way to open it, which is really intuitive and simple. Uh, you just need to tap your phone to the front. But in order for this to work, you need a couple of things. Um, you need an NFC chip uh, sticker where you can get it from Amazon. It's like $10 for $5, super cheap. And you need an iOS device with NFC and Shortcuts app. Um, and you also need an app that's compatible with uh, Shortcuts. Uh, in this case, I'm using uh, Stats app for Tesla. Uh, most Tesla owners have this. Um, uh, once you have all that, you just need to pair your NFC chip sticker with uh, your phone through uh, Shortcuts app. And once you do that, there are so many videos on YouTube on how to do it. Uh, I also have a video that I posted on my YouTube channel. You can check it out, either one. Uh, you just need to search up how to open the frunk with NFC. You will find it. Um, but after you've done that, you just need to take that sticker and place it anywhere in your car. Uh, in this case, I wanted to open the frunk. Uh, it's a, the sticker is the size of a dime, and it's really thin. So I placed it right below the headlight. So where the headlight meets, uh, front left headlight meets the bumper, there's a tiny gap. I just stuck it underneath. Uh, it sticks really well. And then after that, all I have to do is just tap my phone to the uh, sticker after unlocking the phone, of course, um, it opens a frunk. It's really intuitive, really simple. It's really useful. Um, so I would, I thought, you know, everybody should know. Uh, you can also use it to open the frunk, open the trunk, even the charge port. You can even use it to precondition the car or start charging the car. And you can place the stickers anywhere you want, even in your bedroom. So hope it's helpful for all you Tesla owners. Thank you so much for this wonderful podcast, Ryan. Um, I'll talk to you on the next one. Bye. Matershan, that is a very cool Tesla life hack. Thank you very much for sending that in. And a reminder, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something of interest about your car that you've discovered that's not obvious, not in the manual, that you'd like to share with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, send it in the same way that you send in the Ride the Lightning hotline calls that I told you about earlier in the podcast. All right, uh, some friends of the podcast first that you may want to take advantage of the kind offers here. First, I'll mention the uh, abstractocean.com. Well, not the, there's no the. It's just abstractocean.com. The Costco, as I call it. The Costco of awesome Tesla accessories, all kinds of good stuff there. You can check out the rear footwell lighting kit the just interior LED lighting kits that you can get them in different colors. If you don't just want the white LED, you want to get uh, get a little, a little creative in the car, you can do that. There's just a million different things. Browse around, check it out, abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout and you will get 15% off of your first order. So a nice deal that continues to be made available to listeners of this podcast, courtesy of abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, they've got the sentry mode slash dash cam kits. They are fantastic. They plug right into the car's USB slot. And hey, if you've got one of the brand new 2021 threes or Ys, You've got a, uh, a USB port in your glove box that you can lock, you know, so you can really secure it, which is pretty cool. So grab a puretesla.com slash RTL dash cam and sentry mode kit, either in 128 gig 
or 256 gig, and it just ships free anywhere in the United States. It comes fully formatted and ready to go, so I definitely recommend that. Meanwhile, the snap plate. Those of you who want to have a front plate or need to have a front plate by law, but want to have the, you don't want to use the one that Tesla includes with the car, which sticks on with adhesive automotive tape. Uh-uh. How about one that snaps on and off in seconds, uh, but does so securely and can be, you know, it doesn't mess with anything. The paint, the grill, the radiator, autopilot, nothing. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Everyamp.com slash RTL. And how about, of course, my friend Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. I love the names that, like, car detailers do really cool business names. Immaculate Reflections is great. My window tinting was done by Joe at OC Detailing, another great one. I love, I mean, I'm a writer. I love these. I love these wordplay business names. They're great. Uh, Immaculate Reflections, the website, irdetailing.com. Check it out. If you want to book with Jeff, get in touch. Mention that you're a listener of this podcast. There's a discount waiting for you should you book in with him and do that. Uh, Whether you want to do some paint protection film on maybe the front of the car, maybe all of the car, there's also, of course, paint correction. Just fix up some of those factory flaws or flaws that have accumulated on the paint over time. Uh, Maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next, oh, three to five years because water will just bead off of it. Ceramic coating is basically like a super deluxe wax. It's awesome. I have it on my car. So irdetailing.com. Mention to Jeff that you're a Ride the Lightning listener. And then how about Jada? Fun announcement here. They've got a new product. I've got it in my car now. It is really cool. So it works in conjunction with Jada's USB hub. So you do need to have the USB hub for this. But if you do, it's really cool because, you know, it's, it basically, it, it's a, so it's a 256 gigabyte SSD hard drive for the sentry mode and dash cam that plugs in super easily. It actually, it, it's, it's basically, it's effectively invisible. It goes in that, in the dummy uh, plate where there's a, a dummy magnetic door with, with the USB port behind it where you could put a, a, you know, a USB stick, but this way it just, it, it's made, it's custom made to fit perfectly. And again, 256 gig SSD. So just a kind of a super deluxe fire and forget kind of solution for uh, your dash cam and sentry mode needs there. And again, it does require the USB hub. So if you want to buy both, if you don't have either, you can currently get a, there's a promo 35 bucks off of both with the coupon code SSD35 Or if you've got a Jada USB hub in your Model 3 or Model Y and you just want to go ahead and get that uh, SSD drive, use the coupon code SSD25 and you'll get 25 bucks off this this new product. And they are available now. There's no pre-ordering. They've got stock ready to ship out right now. Uh, And if if none of that's of interest, they've still got, of course, my favorite Tesla accessory, period, is the Jada wireless charging pad that they're on version three of now. It's excellent. 
for the Model 3, which, you know, still most Model 3 owners, including myself, they, their car didn't come with one. The new ones do, but the rest of us uh, have to install our own, and the Jada wireless charging pad is fantastic. So you can get, and that you can get 10 bucks off of by using the coupon code Ride the Lightning. So be sure to do that. And if you're going to get any of that, I humbly ask that you use my referral link to order. And that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, there is my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And as, uh, as is hopefully evident, I do put a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of love, a lot of research and enthusiasm into this podcast each and every week. I'm very proud to never miss a week. You can go back. I've got the receipts. You can go back and look at the timestamps. I'm here for you each and every week. You can count on this podcast if you're interested in keeping up on all things Tesla. And you know, if you're a newer listener, hey, I get it. I've got to establish your trust before you might consider supporting me on Patreon. Uh, if you have been listening for a while and, and you, you get a lot out of the podcast, maybe you think, you know what? Maybe now is the time I can I can throw some support Ryan's way. Support tiers that you can back starting at five bucks a month and it goes up from there, and there are rewards that stack for each tier. You can also choose an annual option and just pay pay once for the whole year, and in return for that, whichever tier you pick, you'll get a five percent discount. So that's uh, hopefully a nice little a nice little uh, attractive option for another way to support me on Patreon as well. So again, Patreon.com/slash Tesla Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. By the way, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where it's just nothing but Tesla stuff on my Instagram. And that is found uh, at the handle DMC underscore Ryan. I'm the same handle on Twitter, but I talk about a ton of video game stuff on there as well. But the Instagram is all Tesla all the time. So if, uh, if that is of interest to you, you can follow me on there. Finally, I want to say a big hello and thank you to the higher tier Patreon backers, starting with, uh, I want to mention the the small handful of the Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, and my friend on Twitter, at Rodam. Thank you all very much. And then you've got the Maximum Plaid crew, who, uh, now the Max Plaid and the Roadster in Space crew, uh, they get invited to the monthly Google Hangout every month, but anybody, any new Patreon backer, or if you upgrade your your uh, pledge from, you know, if you're already backing me, but you upgrade, there's a there's a one time invite, you know, because I want to say thank you and and hang out and chat for a little bit. But uh, yeah, the Maximum Plaid and Roadster and Space to your crew, they get invited every month. We've been having a ball with these. We did the last one last weekend, and the the hour just flies by. It ends up being like an hour and ten minutes every week. But I'm having a blast, so. I want to thank the Maximum Plaid backers, Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libeno, 
Uh, and the newest Maximum Plaid uh, backer, I wrote Baker. Let me fix that typo. That's real dumb. <laughs> Patrick Wisniewski, thank you so much. Uh, pardon me, and it was Brett Libano. Sorry. Brett, I'm going to get your name right. I got it right last week, and I just blew it right there. I apologize to you. I am going to keep on that, and I will get it right, I promise. Brett Libano. Thank you so much, Brett, and everybody else at the Maximum Plaid tier. And finally, the Plaid crew. Love all these folks as well. They get their name shouted out every week. They get the monthly bonus mini episode. They get the early access. They get a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I hope. I hope it's cool. So thank you to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Bakil, Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Jerry and Mary Smith, uh, Lyle Austin. Oh, sorry, Lyle upgraded. So let's, let's scratch him off. He's Roadster in space now. Uh, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy. Tesla Owners Taiwan, thank you to that club. Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Chris Beach, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, Eric St. Pierre, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club. Shout out to all the crew over there. Looking forward to seeing you guys as soon as we all get vaccinated and get the all clear to start doing in-person events again. Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, and Mike and Barbara from Louisville. Thanks to all of you. All right. Uh, well, now that we've had all our fun, I hate to leave you bummed out. So, if you, you know, if you just are here for Tesla, you can shut the podcast off now. It's it's over. But uh, I did want to, you know, Daisy the Boxer is a significant part of my life and my family's life. My daughter, oh my God, my daughter is, you know, it's interesting. My daughter didn't have much of a relationship with Maggie the Boxer. I think that was more just because that she wasn't like involved with Maggie. You know, she was a baby. Maggie was here. She was a baby when she was born. And Maggie was around, but Maggie was just sort of my dog. And, you know, even my wife inherited Maggie. But with Daisy, my daughter was there from the jump. My daughter held Daisy when we first got Daisy and she was, Daisy was 14 pounds and my <laughs> my daughter could, could pick her up. And in fact, my daughter named Daisy. Uh, we, we gave her the option, although we, we held on to the parental override in case she chose something that we really didn't like. But the, the, the first name out of her mouth was, uh, actually the first one was Lucy and then Daisy. And we're like, you know, Daisy, we like Daisy. I like that. So, uh, my daughter is, is in love with, with Daisy. And, um, lately the last, so a few months ago, and, and this could go on for a few minutes, so again, if you're not interested in this, if the show's otherwise over, feel free to tune out. But um, So a few months ago, Daisy, for a few days, has a cough. And I thought, you know what, I wonder if this is a, a kennel cough. You know, she just picks something up. And I thought, I, it got to the point where it, I think it had been like three days, and I remember thinking... You know what? If she's still coughing tomorrow, I'll make an appointment and I'll bring her into the vet. 
Well, she stopped coughing. So I thought, okay, I guess she's, she's past this. And a couple of times since then, she would just cough a little bit here or there. And, you know, now it's like an obvious, like, red flag. But again, nothing. I thought, okay, well, she's not coughing anymore. Well, last week, or I guess, I don't know, it's Friday now, this, uh, whatever. It, she starts coughing again, and it's worse, and it's, it's, it's going on for three, four days. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to make an appointment now. And I had an appointment for Thursday. Made a vet appointment for Thursday afternoon. And the the couple nights before that, uh, she she Daisy, I heard her coughing coughing in the middle of the night. To the point where uh like I slept on the couch down down here in my home office, which is where I record the show and where she's hanging out now on the couch. And she, you know, she woke up in the middle of the night coughing, like three, four, maybe three nights in a row, she gets up coughing. And the the last one, which was Tuesday night into Wednesday, I'm, I'm upstairs. I, I'm back up in upstairs bedroom in my bed and I'm a pretty deep sleeper and I am woken up by Daisy's coughing and it really sounds bad. Like it sounds really labored. It does not sound good. So I come down. And she even seems like she's just kind of struggling, like just kind of huffing and puffing. And and it's 3.30 in the morning and I'm thinking, all right, do I wait till this appointment tomorrow? It's 3.30 a.m. And you know, I thought, you know what? No, let's go. Let's just go. Let's just go. So I get dressed. I put her in the car. And... Uh, the f- the first place I go to that's fairly close to the house, I get there, and I'm sorry. This is this is definitely going to be a long story at this point. So again, I <laughs> you are under no obligation to stick around for this. Uh, first place I get to because I I just went on Google and just searched 24 hour you know vet emergency, and so it's I go to a spot. I go to this place. It's not too far away. It's like 10 minutes from my house just down the freeway and I get to the, I get to the, I get out of the car and I walk up to the door and I'm like, it looks pretty quiet. And there's a sign on the door that says something along the lines of due to staffing issues, we are closed from 11, you know, starting at 1159 PM uh, on this date till, you know, there basically there were no longer, there weren't going to be a 24 hour vet for, whatever, certain amount of days. And it was that night. It was 4 a.m. when I got there. And they closed at 11.59 p.m. that night, the same, you know, four hours prior. So, okay, well, on on to the next one, uh, which was another, I guess, 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes down down the freeway. I get there and you know, ring the bell and they come out and you know, Daisy's kind of, she's looking okay. Like she's, she's not like actively coughing. And, and then they, you know, so they're kind of looking at her saying, well, she looks okay. But you know, the, the reality is we, we have a couple of critical patients here, a couple of critical cases. So, you know, they're ahead of you and it's going to be probably like four hours if you want to 
come back. Or there's another one a few more towns down. Another probably 15 minutes down the down the freeway, down you could you could go there. I said, okay, thank you. So I go there. And they take me in, take us in. Well, take I not me, because you know it's COVID, you can't, I'm just waiting in my car. They just take her, take her inside. Uh and they they call so they call me after a few minutes and say, Well, we we can't we, we like tried to kind of irritate her throat to see if we could get her to cough and she's not not doing it, not coughing. And you know, do you do you want us to do a chest x-ray? Or and, you know, I said, you know what? Yeah, let's just take a look. Let's take a look. Do it. I got I've I'm I've got pet insurance. In fact, I specifically well, forget it. I, that that's not important. I, I switched pet insurances from Maggie to Daisy. Cause this new one, the one I'm on now, uh, which is I'll just mention them. I mean, I guess healthy paws and the other real good one that I kind of was kind of a coin toss healthy paws and true panion were the two that are kind of seemingly all the research I did seem to be regarded as, as the ones that will give you the best coverage. So I went with the healthy paws anyway. So I'm not really too worried about the money side of it. Right. Cause I've got the pet insurance and this is Daisy. She's th- Daisy's three. She's three years old. I know you guys know because I, I, I still call her Daisy the Boxer Pup. She's a young dog. Now let's just you know let's just see what's going on here. So I sit in the car for a while, you know, because they're got to do they they're doing blood work, they're doing the chest X ray. I get the call. They said, "Well, her blood work looks good, but um, the X ray, we did see something on the X ray. Her heart is very large, and." Uh, there's fluid in her lungs. So she has DCM. She has a cardiomyopathy, a, a bordering on heart failure. So I, I mean, this was just, she's three. She's three. Maggie went through a heart problem as a uh, long time listeners know. And that, really onset at age seven. Although I, in hindsight, there were a couple of little warning signs before that, but it was, you know, much later in life. I mean, three, not three is insane. So they said, okay, well, we're going to admit her. We're going to take her. We're going to do some more tests. We're going to do an ultrasound on her heart. We're going to, and then our cardiologist is going to, is going to come in and, and see her. So we'll, they're going to make their rounds. We'll call you later this morning. So at this point, the sun's coming up. It's 7 a.m. and I go home. And I go home and I have to, in, in, I'm numb. I'm in shock. I'm numb. I don't, I wasn't, I couldn't cry at that point. I was just in shock. Uh, and I have to tell my wife and daughter who've just woken up for the day. Uh, and, the, that and then the whole the whole family we're just we're all just crying together at this point. And uh, so the cardiologist calls at like nine a.m. To her credit, didn't you know? Didn't keep me hanging around too long. And I'll tell you this: this woman, she clearly. I mean, I, I just had nothing but confidence after the first conversation. She knew she clearly had dealt with boxers. She clearly just was a complete ace, total, just brilliant 
uh, and and very warm, uh, very you know good bedside manner. Uh, and and so she asked me, interesting. So she says, is you know, were her did she come from a breeder? And I said, yes. And it's, you know, judge me. You know, that's another convert. You know, don't <laughs> judge me if you will. I know there's a lot of uh, people that are not into breeder dogs and. I have my reasons, and this isn't the time or the place for it. Uh, but one of the reasons that I do that I did want a, a quality, you know, I did want a, a purebred boxer is uh, because the parents and the, the the puppies get health screenings. So you 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 kind of have it. You know, there are no guarantees in life for man or beast, but the you know, you can get some better odds and some better, some reassurances. The parents and Daisy, they're all tested. They all, you know, they, they, they check, um, they check, what is it? They check something with the hips. They check the heart and they check, I feel like there's something else I'm thinking of too. But, but you know, so she, you know, Daisy and her parents and the, the, you know, everything was clean. So I, that's why I felt good, you know, with Daisy and, and taking her, and thank God she's been an, she she's been an amazing dog. I mean, this dog. I know I talk about it, everybody loves their dog, and I, I'm not not comparing Daisy to any other any anybody's dog. But Daisy's just been. I mean, she's a she's a 60 pound lap dog. She's the most loving. I mean, in in a lot of ways, she she's a, similar in ways to Maggie, but very different. And she's she's uh, I. I can't say enough about how much this dog means to me. And again, my daughter as well and my wife too. And so the cardiologist, she asked me, well, is she, so she asked me, have the parents, you know, do do they have health screening? And I said, yeah, she's, everything was good. So she says, well, you know, we've been seeing like the FDA started uh, a couple of years ago flagged, a handful of the of uh, a number of brands, grain-free kibble brands, that for for, with a, for having a link to this exact heart condition, to this. So what are you what are you feeding? I said, well, yeah, it's a grain-free. It's taste of the wild, which was recommended to me years ago, and Maggie was on it, and Daisy's been on it since day one, since she came home with to me. And she says, well, you know, it's, there's nothing like kind of concrete. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. She's much smarter about this than I am, but I'm kind of just, just paraphrasing here. But the short version is there's, there is this sort of a, there, the FDA was looking into this. There's, there, there's like a link here. There's nothing definitive, but there's, there might be something to this, these grain-free diets and this heart condition, particularly in larger breeds like a boxer. And uh, and Taste of the Wild specifically had more of the of the brands cited. Taste of the Wild was like the third worst offender on the list, third highest number of incidents of these these correlations. So she says, "Well, you know, so we're gonna we'll get her on these medications. So and and we'll you know her her heart muscles weak as well. It's just not." So it's a, her heart's enormous and it's not pumping as well and it's back you know it's backing up into where she's got the fluid. So she says, "Well, there is a chance 
that like I have, she says, I have seen dogs with a diet change off of a grain free make a, if not a, like a, like an, you know, like an 80% recovery, like a pretty back to a pretty normal heart function, a pretty normal life. So, uh, you know, she, I said, well, great. Do you, do you have a specific recommendation? And she gave me two brands, uh, which I'll just mention here for if anybody cares, but, uh, it's, and again, this is not me. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not, this is, this is what was recommended to me for a boxer. Take that information however you will, whether you want to dis- disregard it, whether you want to heed it, what, you know, whether it means anything to you, but so she said, uh, Royal Canaan, the, it's the word canine without an E, I think it's Royal Canaan, and they have a boxer specific formula, which I guess must, they have several, they have a number of breed specific variants of that Royal Canaan, and it must be, I guess they must like dial certain nutrients and things up or down, depending, you know, on, on the needs of certain breeds. And then uh, uh, Yukonuba Performance. It's like, well, I've, I've heard of both of those brands, right? They're major brands. So, you know, I just go right away. Well, so Daisy's at the the vet all day with the with the cardiologist and, and her team. So I'm like, all right, well, she's gone. I got to get this food right now. I can't order this and wait. Like, I need to get her going on this now. So uh, I went with the Royal Canaan. Uh, and hope that Daisy would like it. And then I was just waiting for a follow-up call and they said, okay. So they finally called later in the day and said, I think, you know, she's, I guess some dogs, like they get to the point where they, they, they got to put them on oxygen because their breathing is so labored. And thankfully Daisy was not at that point. They felt okay about discharging her and sending her home with me. So of course, all three of us—my whole, my wife and daughter—came with me, and we came to get Daisy, and and uh, so she came out, and you know, and we get the medications, and so yeah, I've got the food, I've got the, and get home, and and uh, you know, it was just a a horrifying day that I don't wish on anyone. I don't wish on anybody. And the good news is, so so here's the thing: it comes down to. If this is diet induced, then, which by the way, makes it my fault, my fault, because I thought I was doing the right thing. I chose the food, which is, which is a mental, (laughs) it's tough if I did this, but at the same point, I hope it was the food because that means getting off of the food can hopefully reverse some or most, or maybe even all of this because the vet, the cardiologist said she's seen those recoveries. So even though the guilt is like the blame would is mine would be my, I I, bring it on. It's better than a, a dog that's not going to be with me for much longer because that's, potentially the alternative. If this is just a, a, uh, if I just rolled snake eyes with her genetically with her and she just, this just happened despite the health screenings and all that from her parents. And you know, if it's, if it's just the luck of the draw or the, the bad luck of the draw in this case, then 
well, we'll see what the medications can do and how, you know, how she'll do. The good news is, uh, this, as I finish recording here, this is the end of the second day home, second full day home. And so far, she is, she's barely coughed, just a couple of little, just quick, just like practically nothing. In fact, the last one was this morning. I haven't heard, I haven't heard her since. Uh, the breathing seems good. Uh, like I'm not here really hearing any kind of wheezing anymore. Uh, her energy seems good. Her attitude, she seems, you know, peppy and, and alive and, uh, and the, uh, I got some of the pill pockets cause she's, I mean, it's a battery of pills three times a day right now. So there's a lot she's got to get down and keep down. And thankfully Maggie, I don't know about your dog, Maggie would, she actually outsmarted the pill pocket. She would manage to eat the pill pocket and spit out the pill. I ended up having to just use peanut butter, like wrap the pill in a, a blob of peanut butter and with my finger and then. You know, just get it on her tongue and down her throat. But so far, Daisy loves the pill pockets and just swallows them, swallows everything right down. So that's good. Uh, and so her, you know, not no coughing. The breathing seems good. The the energy, the attitude. I mean, she's no walks. She's being kept very mellow right now. And then the other thing is her stool so far. I know it's like, <laughs> didn't think you'd hear about that on a Tesla podcast, did you? But but it's good, and the reason is it's with this just just concoction of medications now. That's a that was something I was told to watch out for that you know that she could have some GI issues. So so, so the the thing I'm trying to hold on to right now is that it's so far it seems like it's going about as well as it can. I mean, I think back three days ago, four days ago, whatever it is. I mean, she was really coughing, and so she she's a heck of a lot better now. And so hopefully the worst is over, and this is the road to recover, the beginning of a long, what is going to be a long road to recovery. So she has a follow-up in two weeks where they're going to do more blood work to check her kidney functions with this med, all the medications, and um, they're going to do another chest X-ray to see about the fluid in her lungs and the size of her heart. So, uh, if you've, whether you're, if you're religious or if you're just like a karma person or a good vibes person, I will happily take any, any, any good thoughts, any good vibes, any good karma, anything you can send my way. I mean, I, uh, Daisy is, is such a vital, vital part of my life. I love this dog. And as I'm sure, you know, all of you do, you know, everybody loves their dog and just three years old. I never thought it would be this, it would, this would happen at three, but wow, I've been talking for half an hour. You're going to look at the timestamp when you first listen to this episode and go, wow, Ryan, there's a ton of Tesla stuff this week. What is he's, he's uh, on fire. Like now I'm spending, <laughs> I'm spending a quarter of the show talking about my dog. See, this is why I did it at the end because I knew I might just talk for a while, but um, yeah. So tough week, tough tough week. I mean, I you know there believe, and I want to say I know there are probably the probably number of you out there who are 
going through worse with humans, with your friends and family, with, you know, maybe you have a loved one friend with, with COVID or, you know, I, I'm not saying the daisies uh, that my situation's any sadder or worse than, than anybody else's. I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to compare. I'm not looking, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for anything. I just, you know, wanted to tell you about it in case you're, you may have seen my Twitter posts or Instagram, uh, and so I wanted to give you the full story because, you know, Daisy is the she's the co-host of the show as she <laughs> right now is snoring away on the couch, but sounding good, looking good over there. But uh, so that's that. And and I guess what I want to finish with is I had the, the thought occurred to me. Maybe I have the good for maybe. The first 24 hour vet clinic being closed <laughs> And the second one turning me away, maybe it, maybe it was a fate. Maybe it was for the best. Maybe it was something guiding me towards that third vet clinic that has this amazing cardiologist in it. Because uh, as far as I know, I don't think the other two places that I stopped at had cardiologists on site. Because because the place we're at is is not just a 24-hour vet clinic. They have a bunch of specialists as well. Like it's a whole it's a whole, you know, full service operation there. Whereas the first two places I stopped were just and not I don't mean just insultingly, but they're they were simply 24-hour emergency clinics. They weren't, you know, they didn't I don't believe they have a cardiology staff. So maybe there's something some other good force helping me out and pointing me getting getting us down to down to this this place we ended up at so um hug your dog if you've got one if you or your your cat too whatever your pets whatever your loved beloved pets and uh hopefully hopefully daisy's gonna get better and not worse so that's that uh i boy i really need to stop talking this is uh this is a lot so with that uh, I thank you so much. If you made it this far, my goodness, thank you. And I'm al- also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That I, you probably didn't think I would talk for this long. Although I guess if you've li- been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that I'm very capable of talking for this long. But any, in any case, for a Daisy the Boxer who is home and, and recovering and I am eternally grateful for and I hope will be with me for many, many years to come in good health. For Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 289, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.